And what I've learned is that the most important thing for me has been being authentic and being like who I really am and just like letting that come out on video, letting that come out in my writing. And so I think that actually by not paying attention to feedback, even even when it's good, it honestly has helped me to be better at what I do by just kind of being me. Welcome to the Wear, Wag, Repeat podcast. I'm Tori Mystic. As a dog mom lifestyle expert, blogger, and business owner, I love talking to other women in the pet industry and sharing their advice with you every week. Sit, stay, and listen to the latest episode. In this episode, I'm talking to Mikkel Becker, who is a certified dog trainer and behavior consultant. Mikkel told me that when she was a kid, she dreamed of becoming an animal trainer and a TV reporter. Well, she ended up doing pretty much just that and now creates tons of great videos and articles about dog training. You are about to hear some of her advice on getting comfortable in front of the camera, dealing with criticism, and how to be authentic. I love this conversation so much because it really is equal parts business and dogs. For the second half of the interview, Mikkel gives some timely advice on working through separation anxiety with your dog, a challenge that many people are facing due to COVID. At the very end, she gives me an idea that Bert and Lucy are either going to love or hate. (laughs) Find out what it is and let me know if you'd like to join me with this enrichment activity. Speaking of ideas and resources, there are a ton of them in the Wear, Wag, Repeat resource guide. Over 129 episodes of this podcast, I have asked my guests what their favorite apps tools, websites, and even training tools are to help them in their pet industry business. I've added all of them to the Wear, Wag, Repeat resource guide, and you can get access for free. Just go to wearwagrepeat.com slash guide, enter your email address, and I will send it right over to you. Certified trainer and dog behavior consultant, Mikkel Becker, is the lead trainer for Fear-Free Happy Homes, where it is their mission to prevent and alleviate fear, anxiety, and stress in pets by inspiring and educating the people who care for them. Mikkel is also the co-author of the book, From Fearful to Fear-Free. Mikkel lives with Indiana Bones and Otis, both pug mixes, and her horse, Chili, who help her champion reward-based training. Hey, Mikkel, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you here and learn about all that you do. Um, I'd love if you could kind of take us back in time and and tell us all how you got interested in dog training and behavior. Well, it's kind of one of those God-given things. I was really, I I actually remember I had two dreams when I was a kid where I decided these were going to be my career paths. I I was both times I was playing. And one time I remember thinking, I want to be an animal trainer. Like that's what I want to do. And I I thought it was going to be horses or whales, but whatever it was, I knew I wanted to work with animals and train them. And separately, I was watching, my, my parents were watching the news while I was playing and I saw the woman on TV, the broadcast journalist. And I was like, I want to be her. That's what I want to do. And so 
you know, years later, now what I do is kind of a combination of both of those where it's working with animals, training animals, and doing my favorite part of that, which is working and creating videos that can help people with their pets. So being able to reach people in their homes, kind of where they're at with different behavior issues and training issues. And it's uh, it's pretty funny looking back because when I was younger in school, I would always get in trouble for only writing about pets. Like that was, they'd be like, you need to expand your your horizons, write about something else. And, and now it's like, gosh, you know, it's just, it really truly was meant to be. I think that, you know, God just put that on my heart. And it's, you know, pretty amazing that I knew from a very young age what I was going to be doing. And and that's what I am blessed to be able to do today. That's so awesome. And it, it's so funny to hear you say that they told you to branch out because now everyone is like, you have to niche down. <laughs> <laughs> it's so true. I know they would talk to my parents. They're like, you know, she just, she's so stuck on those dogs and those horses. Like, you know, can she, can't she do something else? And, uh, yeah, it's just, it's funny. So now it's, it's, uh, you know, we, I look back and laugh about it and, you know, we've talked to those teachers since and they're like, yep, it's, you know, she was meant to do what she's doing now. So. Yeah, that is so cool. And I love that you were really interested in like the communication and, and, and delivery aspect of it, because I think that so many of us, are experts in our own little area, but if you can't get it out there, then it's it's kind of hard to impact pets' lives and people's lives. So, um, do you remember like when you first started doing videos? Like, was, was there a good response you know, to it? The hard thing about doing social media or videos is actually looking at people's responses. And I think it's because you can have a hundred, a thousand really good responses, but you have that one negative comment or you have, you know, it's a, and whether it's in animal training or it's in real life, like those negatives really stand out and those negative learning experiences. And so for me, I did get good feedback, but I also got, you know, certain negative feedback. And actually my, my most negative feedback happened to be when I was on a teleprompter. So for me, I'm a lot better and I've learned to kind of go with what I'm good at. I'm much better at being able to just kind of speak off the cuff and to be able to talk. And when I was on the teleprompter, I had someone that was commenting that it looked like I was a a blind dog trainer because I guess I was just staring straight ahead, not blinking, not like, and so I look back and I'm like, oh, it's so embarrassing when I watch those videos because I was, I just, and I wasn't animated. I wasn't like really feeling fully able to kind of be myself. And so it was definitely a learning experience, but I would say that Really, anytime you're in the public eye, whether you're doing videos, whether you're writing articles, you're writing books, like you, I think the worst thing to do, at least for my personality type, is to look at feedback because it it almost makes you want to kind of go in a a hole and to crawl up and curl up, you know, and hide. And and what I've learned is that the most important thing for me has been being authentic and being like who I really am and just like letting that come out on video, letting that come out in my writing. And so I think that actually by not paying attention to feedback, even, even when it's good, it honestly has helped me to be better at what I do by just kind of being me. If that makes sense. I think that is such great advice. And I, and I totally know what you mean because I mean, I really put myself out there (laughs) and sometimes you get feedback from people that, um, is hurtful and then I don't know if they always mean it that way. And sometimes they do, which is too bad. Um, but, you know, I think that you said something where, like, you, you said that you don't 
really look at the feedback, whether it's good or bad or whatever. But you did say that you learn from your mistakes. So, you know, just because you're not looking at the feedback doesn't mean that you're not going to review the footage yourself, maybe, and kind of update your own strategy. So I think that's, that's a really important thing to think about. Absolutely. And it's, you know, and it's, it's being able to look at some comments, like, so being able to, you know, engage with your audience. So I will, I will, we'll look at the comments in the way where I can help educate. So say it's something where they're talking about a certain color they have on the dog, or it's, you know, why, why are you giving so many treats or whatever the question might be? That's like the perfect time where I can go in there and educate. But when it comes to something about, I think as a woman, it's very hard when a lot of kind of who you are is based upon how you look. And so I'll get different comments about that or I'll, you know, those are the things where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to engage in that. So it's like, you know, there are certain things I will engage in and certain things I won't engage in. And it really has been a learning experience where I know I've gotten just better at what I do through some of those comments. But then there are a lot of those too, where I'm like, okay, I'm not going to look at this thread anymore because once it starts to get negative, it's, that's where I, I just steer clear of it. Yeah. And it gets to be like a runaway train. But the best thing is when you, when you do build up your audience and you have a following, they defend you and you don't even have to jump Mm -hmm. into the comments. And so that's, that's that's the awesome part. I think when, once you get to a certain point and if you are showing up authentically and you have certain people who believe in you, they will defend you until the end. (laughs) That's very, very true. I just experienced that actually this year with a um, you know, there's that, there's like that body shaming thing that's definitely out there. And they, I had a picture. It was it, honestly, I look back and I'm like, this is not even a bad picture. It barely showed any cleavage, but just with that little bit, I had so many comments like, this is inappropriate. We don't want to see that. And I'm like, God, it's like not even, so that's, that's when we're, I disengaged. And what was really cool is I looked back uh, way later and, you know, my parents were following it and they're like, you know, so many people jumped in and defended you. And it was like, oh, that's really, that's really neat, you know, yeah. because it's, yeah, to engage in that is not going to do me any good, but it was really neat to see all the support and people that, that were very supportive. And, you know, I, I just think that, you know, that's a, a beautiful thing. Yeah, it is. Well, and I think that just, I, I talk about this with almost everyone on the show is just dog people and the dog industry and especially the women in the pet industry. Like we really support each other and, um, and that it's just such a nice place to be. Um, well, so speaking of videos, I know that a lot of people listening here, um, have tried videos or maybe haven't because they're intimidated by the whole thing. Um, but as a trainer or as any pet business owner, it's such a great tool. So if someone is like just getting started or maybe they did one and they hated it, <laughs> do you have any advice on making it a better experience and and creating like really good quality videos? So my biggest piece of advice is to be yourself. And the problem that a lot of people have with video and that I definitely had at different stages when I was starting to do video was just feeling kind of getting frozen. It's like when we are on camera, all of a sudden we a lot of times just shut down, our voices change, our mannerisms change, we don't move as much. And so what's really helpful is actually when you're talking to the camera to actually pretend like it's your best friend. So a lot of times I'm pretending like it's my best friend, Brianna, and that's who I'm talking to, or I'm talking to you as a, as a dog trainer, I may pretend I'm talking to a client. So that way I have more of my authentic and my real voice. And it's also really helpful to film yourself and to watch yourself back. And 
a lot of times what you feel like are like really big movements of your body or of your voice, it doesn't come across that way on camera. And usually it's a lot less than what you're thinking it is. So what I would say is to, you know, to not be afraid to like open up and, you know, if you use your hands in talking, use your hands when you talk on camera and, you know, move your body as naturally and as comfortably as you can and be comfortable. So if you're sitting down, actually be in a comfortable position rather than really rigid. You want to just be like, just as you would normally be, I think is the best thing that you can do. Definitely having good lighting definitely does help. Probably my my biggest tip is to really just have some tr- some easy to carry, easy to travel with tripods. So that way, if you are a trainer or say that you're out in the field working or say you just all of a sudden spur the moment, you're like, oh, I want to do a video here. This would be, make a perfect video. You can get that video there. So the perfect thing is we have our cell phones now. And, you know, so we always have that access to be able to get a video. And so just by having a really easy travel with tripod, you can get so many quick, easy videos and just learning basic editing skills. I I think that's really all you need to start. So do you think someone could do videos like this on their own or do they need to like hire someone to help them? I would say that a lot of people could do it on their own and really, so say that you're a dog trainer or you're a groomer, just starting off with little videos that you do on your own there. I mean, there are definitely experts out there who I, and I think it really reasonable prices can help with videos, but if you just want the very basics for your clients or just to kind of get your name out there to promote your business, doing little clips. The awesome thing about social media is that we don't have to have perfect videos, Like people don't want that really. And so the more like kind of authentic and real that it looks, usually people really appreciate that and like that. So just basic editing. I literally taught myself how to edit videos uh, just from my Mac. And so it took me a while. It was very frustrating, very frustrating. But (laughs) now I'm at the point where it's like, oh, it's just, you know, kind of second nature and I love doing it. And I am, but I'm by no means an expert. My brother is like highly skilled at video editing. He's the best, but for me, I, you know, I'm still just beginner level, but that's, that's okay. Like the videos turn out good. And so, you know, for what it is, I think that just getting the basics, you can do that on your own. Yeah. And I think like, that's one of the best things of, of the quarantine and everything of this whole year is that every TV show like that had huge studios and production staffs and graphics and all this stuff, like, you know, the tonight show and everybody was filming from home on an iPhone, like Jimmy Fallon was there on his phone with his kids running around, jumping on his face. It's <laughs> like, so true. <laughs> and, and I think like, that's the best thing for all of us online business owners and, you know, people who are trying to do social media is that the, the playing field has been leveled now. And, you know, their, their videos were not as good as many of our videos because we've been creating videos on our phones for years and they never have. Mm -hmm. Um, They're used to like, you know, multi-thousand dollar cameras and all these lights and all this stuff. Um, so their home videos were actually quite terrible. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very true. You know, there's, there's that learning curve for everybody. And it's, it's hard because it's like when you first start, you're like, oh, even, you know, whether it's watching yourself or watching your quality of video, like, I guarantee you're going to have videos that you're going to be like, oh, this is so hard to watch, you know, and I, and just knowing that that's a normal feeling and there's a learning curve, like just giving yourself grace is one of the best things that you can do. Yeah, that's great advice. Don't be hard on yourself ever um, because we all learn and, you know, the next one could be better and, and you know what, you can always go back and 
re-edit this footage and make it into something new. There's so much you could do. Um, so one video that you did, speaking of COVID and quarantine and everything, I know everyone is curious about, you know, what's going to happen when everyone starts leaving their houses again and all the dogs are used to you being home all the time. <laughs> I know mine are. Um, my life is pretty much the same as it was before COVID because I work from home all the time anyhow. But so many people are worried about separation anxiety and like, even for me, if I go to the store and I'm gone for one hour now, my dogs are not used to me being gone for even one hour. Um, so you created a really great video that that I loved about a goodbye routine um, and actually have been implementing some of that with my own dog. So can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. So what we want to do is we want to give our dogs a, a safe, secure space that they love hanging out in. So for some dogs, this may be a crate, but for a lot of dogs, it's maybe just one room in the house. Maybe it's the living room, or maybe you have a gated area for your dog. You want that to be like their hangout and chill area, the place where they have their, their safe chews, where they have some toys that are okay for them to play with when you're not there. They have their stuffed food puzzles. So food puzzles, I'm a huge fan of. And so for those who still feed out of food bowls, what I would recommend or really challenge you to do with your dogs for their, their mental well-being, their physical well-being, is to start feeding at least one of their meals out of food puzzles every day. Because what it does is it engages their brain, it helps them to dispense some of that excess stress and that energy that they might have. And it also provides us with a really awesome tool to help occupy our dog's attention and their time when we're away. So one way that we can help to make that time of us being away more normal for our dogs is to actually feed them in their own safe space just every day, whether we're there or not. So this may be, maybe you put your dog in the area, you give them their stuffed food puzzle or their frozen Kong that has their, their canned dog food on the inside of it. Uh, and then what you do is you, you leave them there and you may just go about your day in the house, doing your own chores, doing your own work while your dog's in that area, or maybe that's where you're going out to getting the mail. And so that, that can be really helpful. And what I would definitely recommend doing too is to actually film your dog. So most dogs, if they're going to have separation anxiety, you're going to see those indications within that first 10 minutes of you leaving. So you'll see things like perhaps them doing excessive panting or whining or pacing, or for some dogs, they, they shut down. They, they get really, really lethargic and really depressed acting. Um, but they, you know, they physically, they're just as upset as those dogs that are highly, highly aroused. Other dogs, you'll see the really extremes where they literally are clawing their way, trying to claw their way out of the doors and out of the windows. And, and so that's where they can really be very prone to injury. And that's where, you know, trying to, a lot of dogs actually do better in an open area versus in an enclosed space. So a lot of times there's some claustrophobia going on at the same time. So that's where giving your dog an open area, a lot of times will be more helpful. And the thing you don't want to do if your dog is kind of breaking out or being really destructive is just get a stronger and stronger and stronger crate, which I'll see people do that all the time. The dog busts out of the one crate, they chew out, they claw out. And so then they get a stronger crate. But what they're, what they're missing is the fact that that dog is in an absolute panic. They are having a panic attack. They think they're very life is at stake. And so what we need to do is really address that baseline emotional state. And so for those dogs, or if you do have a dog that's showing some pretty severe signs of separation anxiety, or even at the earliest stages, you really want to address that. And working with your pet's veterinarian, 
working with a veterinary behaviorist, with a a reward-based trainer. Those are all some really good options. And in some cases, when pets are that panicked, it's, it, it, you just can't reason with them. It's almost like I used to have really bad panic attacks when I would fly, like terrible. People try and reason with me and be rational that, you know, you are, it's so unlikely that a plane's going to crash and you can hear all those statistics, but it doesn't, when you're in that state, that does, you're just unreachable. And even those positives of, you know, that they would try and give me like, you know, distract me with the movie or give me some, some chocolate or something. It's like, that did nothing for me because I'm just so panicked. And a lot of times pets, when they are that panicked, you just can't reach them. And that's where that medication or those supplements or those nutraceuticals can really help because you need to get that body in a relaxed enough state that that pet is able to learn a better association and learn a different way to be able to feel in that situation. And so that's where, where those can really be helpful tools alongside behavior modification to help your pet. That's wonderful. And I think that it really, it makes so much sense. A lot of times you see people um, put their dog in an area, say like, I, you know, I put my dog in the kitchen when I leave the house. Well, like, do you ever put your dog in the kitchen by themselves when you're in the house or when you're doing other things? You know, they, they create situations that are not normal to the dog. And then the dog's like, what is happening? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> so it makes a lot of sense. So some other things I would recommend is, to have some have some type of backdrop of music as well as some white noise going on. So a lot of times pets that have separation anxiety, a lot of times they also have noise phobias in combination. And so sometimes the big scare when they're left alone is the scary noise events that might occur. So whether it's garbage day, maybe it's the neighbor that's working on something out in the backyard, someone's mowing the lawn. What we want to do is we want to help to drown out some of that outside noise and also provide a calming environment in your home. So this is something... I would also recommend doing when you're there because well, any of these things that we're adding in, we want to try and do them at times when you're there as well. So that way it doesn't clue your dog into, okay, this, this environment, this context, this means that they're leaving. Instead, we want this to just be kind of a normal environment for them. So playing calming music, which it can be reggae or um, soft rock. It can be classical music, species-specific music, through a dog's ear is a good one, uh, something like dog TV. So something where you have that backdrop of something calming for your pet. And then in combination with that, you can also have some calming scents. So something like lavender or chamomile, or there was a recent study that showed different things like valerian and ginger and coconut and vanilla, that those also can be calming for dogs. So we can leave a little a little bit of that scent on certain items. Perhaps they have a blanket or bedding or something like that. You can leave those calming scents there or leaving them something that has your own scent. Uh, dogs definitely are calmed by the familiar. So that can be really helpful for them. And another way that you can help to track your dog and really their activity is through an activity tracker. So one that I really like and that I use with our dogs is called Animo. And what it does is it not only tracks their calorie burn, which has been super helpful with, especially the summer, trying to get them, you know, losing weight and being at, at their best ideal body shape, but it also tracks things like barking bouts and shaking. And um, so any of these like indicators that can show that our pet is having excess anxiety and also it tracks rest. So you can also see what is your pet doing when you're away? Are they restless? Are they actually able to have quality rest when you're away? So Animo has been a a really helpful tool as well for dealing with that pet separation anxiety and, and really helping us to have insights in how they're doing. 
Yeah, you can see if they're pacing around, whether you have a camera or not, you can Mm -hmm. still look at the tracker and see. Exactly, exactly. So that's so, so helpful. And and then you can see, okay, what's actually helping my dog? What's not helping them? And so that's where, you know, having multiple food puzzles and and giving those to your dog when you're leaving, having that goodbye routine. What we want to do is try and keep the, the partings and the coming back really low key and rather than it being really emotional. So there was a study that actually showed that dogs do better when they're given a treat and said goodbye to versus the dog being ignored when the person leaves. And I think that for dogs, it's having that that kind of solid routine and that predictability of, okay, here's what happens. Like, I understand what's happening versus like when the person leaves, they're like, okay, what's going on? Like, are they are they not coming back today? I think there's like that panic of that unknown versus when pets have a solid routine that they can kind of predict and one that, that is associated with the positive. So getting that treat or ideally having some longer lasting food puzzle, that leaves them with the positive and something positive that they can focus on when you, when you are leaving. Yeah, they really pick up on those like repetitive little signals. Um, even this is not separation anxiety related, but my dog Lucy is a therapy dog. And so she has like a certain leash and collar and bandana that she puts on when we go for therapy dog visits. And she knows that mm-hmm. like that is what we're going to go do. And her her like body language and everything changes and she knows she can't be wild and crazy and she needs to chill out and she can't be barking and she's going to have to be good for like an hour as as long as we go. Um, But you know, that like routine of like, we're putting on this bandana or putting on this collar, or, you know, if I'm leaving them at home, giving you this treat and telling you to go sit in this particular spot, like that consistency I think is very comforting. That's very, very true. What, what, I'm curious. I'd love to hear what have you done with your dogs for the goodbye routine that's been helpful? Oh yeah. So, um, so they have, they each have their place, which is, um, just two dog beds that are right by the front door. And, um, what, what I've been doing is instead of only having them go to their place when I'm leaving, I have them go to their place when I'm opening the door for a delivery or when I'm opening the door and there's no one at the door when I'm just getting the mail or something like that. So I've been trying to use place their place as like, you know, not, it doesn't mean that I'm leaving. That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah. Because my, my rescue dog, Bert, he, he does that, like gets very depressed kind of look like he looks like Eeyore and he puts his head down and he's like, Oh my God, this is it. This is the last day I'm ever going to see her. She's going out that door. She's never coming back. And he's so dramatic. So, so we have been working on it. And then also I have for a long time, I would just have them go to their place and that was it. But now I give them a treat as well. Um, and I, I think it helps. Um, you know, I do have a camera at home so I can watch them. And, um, when I first rescued Bert, he would stand at the door and just stare at it and just wait for me to come back. Um, and now he will lie down, he'll lie in his bed. You know, he doesn't stay in his place the whole time I'm gone, but, um, he's just a lot more chill, but, when you know when you discussed a routine it really kind of made me get more more like strict about actually following a few very simple mm-hmm. steps in a routine but it it i think it does help that's awesome i i love hearing that yeah yeah so thank you you're welcome <laughs> um i guess you know the other question i wanted to ask you before we have to go here is just general social distancing kind of tips for people. Um, you know, not all of us are, are, 
are working out with other pets and things like that, some of us are just walking our dogs around every day. Should we be like avoiding people and crossing the street and like, can our dogs sniff each other? Like what, what should we be doing? Do you have any advice on that? I I definitely think at at the time that, you know, really more caution is better. And so whether it's out of respect for the other person or, or, you know, if it's your own kind of personal beliefs and trying to stay safe, there is so much unknown with my dad as a veterinarian. I definitely know on the vet side, like there's just a lot of unknown on how this transfers from, uh, you know, to our pets. And, you know, I think that, that, you know, the risk of, pets giving it to us versus us giving it to the pets. It's a lot, you know, the pets are definitely, I think more probably at risk than, than we are from them, but there really is like that, that chance of, of that being transferred. So I think that, you know, being cautious and trying to keep that distance. And I think for dogs, it's, tough. It's already, it's, it was already tough before COVID to pass another dog on the street and, you know, the dog's excitement and frustration at like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to go meet that dog. Do I get to meet that dog? I would, I would definitely try and give your dog that predictability again on, okay, here's what happens when we see another dog. So when we see another dog, maybe that's the time that I ask you to do something that some known behavior. So the known behavior could be, you know, um, going into a heel. So when the dog is healing, they get to be rewarded right at your side. Maybe that is crossing the street, or it can even be just walking up a driveway, walking up, up, you know, this, the stairs, um, if you're in a city, just giving a little bit of space to that passing dog while you keep your dog occupied. And one of the, the easy games that dogs really love is a game called find it. And that's just where, you know, we're just saying find it. And then we're tossing some treats down on the ground for them to find or down in the grass. So it puts their nose down to the ground. It gives them a positive when the other dog passes, this is what happens. So they have something else positive to focus on and to enjoy. And I would definitely try and save your walks for around mealtime so that way your dog is good and hungry. And that way you have like the rewards that you have with you are even more motivating for your dog. Well, and that's a, you know, talking about thinking beyond the bowl, if you just walk your dog around and slowly feed them their entire dinner. That's true. (laughs) You Mm -hmm. could do that. Absolutely. I I never thought of that before. Yeah. (laughs) And and dogs love to work for work for their food. You know, they, they, they have what's called contra freeloading, which means that rather than being handed free food, dogs actually prefer to work for their food. So it's, it's a big win for them. And it's really a win for us because it helps us to, you know, teach them those better behaviors that we want to see in the future. It makes that more of a routine. You know, our dogs may have habits from the past, such as maybe getting really excited when they see another dog, like, oh my gosh, I get to go greet them. You know, right now is not the time that we can do that. So instead that's where we can find those replacement behaviors and teach our dog to do an alternative. So using their meals to do that is an awesome way to motivate them. Lucy is either going to be very happy or she's going to be very mad because I'm going to have to make her walk for half an hour to earn her dinner piece by piece. <laughs> I, I I would love to hear how she does. You know, do- dogs are, you know, just like how she does, like with getting her, her equipment on for her therapy dog work. Like I, I think dogs really enjoy getting to work for their food and, you know, and it, and it really builds those bonds with us. And I, I just think it's a big win for them. Yeah. Well, I, that's such a great idea. I'm going to try that. Um, everyone listening, if you try it, please tag both of us um, so we can see what happens. And speaking of, Mikkel, tell everyone where they can find you online. 
So you can find me at fearfreehappyhomes.com and at fearfreehappyhomes.com, there are lots of free resources, different videos and articles, and they're all vetted. So by a veterinary behaviorist has reviewed them. So they all are, it's just good quality information that you can trust. Lots of stuff on there for dogs and for cats and for basically anything you're really looking at, whether it's the health of your pet or behavior or training, you're going to find it all there. Awesome. And on Instagram, you are Mikkel Becker. Everyone can go tag you um, and and let Mikkel know if you are going to slowly feed your dog on your walk. (laughs) So thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh, such a pleasure. Thank you. Before this episode ends, I want to share a special bonus Q&A with pet business automation coach, Natasha O'Banion. She's hosting the Game Changers Pet Care Summit October 7th through the 9th. So you were a guest on my podcast before, and now you're coming back for this special little Q&A series all about this new summit you're doing. Yes, we're super, super excited. Doing a virtual summit is something I've wanted to do for a while. Um, but since we were in COVID and quarantine, what better time than now? <laughs> so we have put together 15 speakers, including yourself. And we will basically spend three days, October 7th through the 9th, going over Instagram, coaching, automation, web, design, branding, um, insurance we have on there. We have hiring, a little bit of everything, um, just to kind of help petpreneurs kind of advance going into the new year, giving us a little bit of something to hold on to 2020, and then um, just growing towards 2021. So I think the virtual summit will be really nice. We've already put it out there and people are super excited. We're going to be doing a bunch of giveaways and freebies leading up to it and then also during. So definitely join us over. Our website is sssummit.com. So SSS stands for Start Scale Sale. That's our company. So sssummit.com and put a seat, join us. If you're lucky enough to be listening to this podcast, you will get 20% off from yours truly, Tori. Just use promo code Lucy20 and we'll give you 20% off your first month in our all access group if you decide to move forward from there. So yeah, we're really, really excited about the summit. Yeah. So not only do you have this amazing summit with all these speakers and all these sessions on everything, but you also have a membership. And so the summit is kind of like a great way to kind of get a taste of what your membership is like and people could sign up for that too. Exactly. So a lot of things that we do, we have like our courses and our programs and our coaching sessions and we always find people want more. They're like, I've already got all that you've given me, but now what else? Where else? What else can I do? So kind of instead of just like, giving you guys all the juice and then saying peace out. You know, we've given you an all access opportunity to come into the backyard with us and uh, become a member. So when you're a member, we're going to go through the full start scale sale layout, how to start your business, automate it, how to grow it, and then also how to enjoy your best life at the end. So we're going to be doing that month to month. Um, we're going to invite the same speakers back into our group. They're going to be going over their hot seat topics, which could be Instagram or, again, branding or web design. Um, so we'll start to get real deep on each topic every single month, one by one. So that's what you'll get um, in our membership group. So what kind of petpreneurs would be, like, the best people to sign up for this summit? Um, I say all of them. Dog walkers, <laughs> groomers, pet sitters, trainers, anyone looking to start, grow, advance, nurture, 
um, get inspiration. I like, I enjoy continued education a lot for myself because I'll think I know everything I'm doing. And then I'm like, I wonder what someone else is doing or maybe I should put, you know, new spice in it. Right. So I just love to keep advancing myself, continuing education. And then more importantly, being around like minds, people who are doing the same thing you're doing where you can really get feedback from. Um, cause this world can be lonely, right? Dogs don't talk back. <laughs> so it's nice having a community of people who get it. You know, our friends and family don't want to talk dog talk all the time, but we sure do. <laughs> so it's nice to kind of have that, you know, that camaraderie within the team and the community. Yeah, it's so nice to have that community aspect. And that's like why I love doing the podcast so much because I just get to talk to people who want to talk about business and dogs all day long with me, which is my favorite. Yeah, us too. So we're excited. Uh, this is going to be one of our um, – First time doing a pet care summit. Usually they're in person. So we're really excited to bring it online virtual. You know, we get to still put our pajamas on <laughs> and tune in. I think that's one of like the best things about everything going virtual is that, well, you can be in your pajamas, but also you don't have to pay to travel, to stay in a hotel, to buy meals and all this stuff. You can do it at home. And so like everyone can attend. Yeah, that's a big one for me because I have to, again, find daycare for my children. I have to get a pet sitter for my dogs. I have to get a hotel. So to get the information virtually, I think this is definitely going to be the new wave. And we're already talking about doing this again in 2021. So it's something that we're going to continue. Awesome. Well, remind us one more time, what's the website to sign up for this? The website is S is in Sam. So S-S-S Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T dot com. And if you want to join the membership program later, use promo code Lucy20 and you'll get 20% off your first month. So thank you so much, Natasha. You're welcome. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. What did you like most about this episode? Find me on Instagram at tmystic and let me know what intrigued you or what questions you have about starting or growing your own dog-inspired business. You can also screenshot this episode and tag me in your stories. I love to see who is listening out there. Some of the best conversations happen after the episode, right? So track me down over on Instagram or join the Wear, Wag, Repeat Labs Facebook group to connect with other dog-obsessed entrepreneurs. And as always, you can find all the links and resources discussed in this episode at wherewagrepeat.com slash podcast. See you back here next week.